voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. sir. Captain, it's 2100 hours, and I really think... Wait, what's wrong? I'm just... I'm just so... I'm just so sad. Oh my, well, there, there, sir. Let's, um, let's start the show, and then we can talk about it. Do you want me to go... I always go first! Oh, yes, of course, by all means. <laughs> Sorry. <coughs> Hey everybody at home, I'm Justine Mastin, LMFT, Yogini, writer, researcher, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard! And I'm Larissa Garski, licensed marriage and family therapist, writer, researcher, Spocky, and first officer. And I'm here to help and offer Kleenex when and if needed. <laughs> just a reminder to the listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists. Unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Sir, do you think it would be helpful to, to tell me about what is the source of your sadness? Well, ever since we traveled back in time to the year 2020, mm. I, I've really been overwhelmed with, with feelings of sadness about the pandemic and I... Uh, according to the history logs, soon there will be murder wasps, and that's upsetting. So, <laughs> God, I'd forgotten about murder wasps. That is, <laughs> you know, the people of 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 twenty twenty. They just, you'd think that the universe could cut them a break, <laughs> but no, but no dice. No, you get you get the pandemic, and then you get murder wasps, right? So, yeah, it just, I, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm feeling sad, uh, because all this stuff right now, all this, all this year 2020 stuff is just, uh, it's not going how I thought it was going to go. No. You know, like, um, today is May the 4th. Mm. Be May with you. And also with you. Thank you. As we're recording this. <laughs> um. And today was the rescheduled date of the completion of my half-sleeve fandom tattoo. Oh, I do remember when you told me that. Yes, it was supposed to be finished on March 31st. But of course, the tattoo parlors closed literally days before that happened. And so it got pushed to May the 4th. Mm. And now, of course... It has been pushed further. And I, in talking to uh, my tattoo artist, we decided that we weren't going to set another new date. She was just going to holler at me <clears throat> when they were allowed to tattoo again. <laughs> and this is not like a major life loss. I want to be very clear about that. But these small losses... 
the you know this mm-hmm. ambiguous loss shit that we've talked about a bit like it's hard yeah it's hard to say like i'm sad for the loss of the completion of my tattoo but you but are also, you're very sad yes but i I am. And I've been planning this thing for fucking ever. I gave it to myself for my 40th birthday. I did. So I started it in what, like right around my birthday. So November, December. I was going to say, yeah. And, you know, you got to wait a month in between sessions. And like, it's been this whole process. And it's just, it's hard to have this unfinished art on my arm. It's like this reminder that, that we're in this holding pattern. Oh, you know, I have to be honest and say, well, before I go there, I just want to clarify as an aside that while we're recording on May the 4th, it's not May the 4th when this drops. Correct. In case anyone was confused and like, what does this mean? I mean, like we can still sort of tell time. Um, <laughs> but what right I, now in this moment, <laughs> right now in this moment, but, but you listener, when you're listening to it, it won't be May the 4th. Um, it It's going to be a period in the future. Um, it's going to be. May 14th, so. Or later, depending on when you choose to listen to our dulcet tones. That's true. That's a great point. So, but by then you probably still won't have your. (laughs) You know, I can always count on you. For logic? To come in and just, just really with the support. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. You know. (laughs) With the affirmations. I mean, I like to think that I I move from a place of support and inviting us to sit down with hard truths. <laughs> that's and that's fun. I mean, you know, there's there's pluses and minuses, pros and cons. Um, I am going to get back to your tattoo, but this reminded me of something that may be interesting to our our listenership. That, and I'll we're, we'll circle back at some point in the future when our book drops. Um, we just recently finished writing the first full draft. And so part of what that means is that we wrote what was arguably one of the hardest chapters, which is chapter 11. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to give anything away by saying that chapter 11 is a chapter that invites everyone to sit down and be with just some awful things. <laughs> not the least of which are the Zara slave ships. Oh, I, I noped that. And I, right, um, you did. And I think that was fair, but it was right around the time of when I wanted to have us talk about the Zara slave ships that I think you were like, en- enough of this from you. <laughs> I need to go take a snack break because this is just becoming too hard and too painful. Right, right. We... We pride ourselves on being able to talk about difficult things mm-hmm. in like a whimsical, lighthearted, but never dismissive way. Yes. Yeah. But going back to your tattoo, which is really where I wanted to go and rather than getting bogged down in dates, is that it hadn't actually occurred to me that because it is a living physical emblem that is undone. Mm-hmm. That every day, multiple times a day, when you would look at it, you would be reminded mm-hmm. of its not doneness. It's mostly done. It's like 90% done. But what sticks out to me most as we're talking about grief is that the portion that is not done is Buffy's grave. Oh, my God. And uh, the some of the 
just like stuff like the yeah. the road that the winchester brothers are are driving on and or... you know some plants and shit but like the part that is not done the part that is empty right it is the tiny graveyard i made with buffy's summer's grave that says she saved the world a lot <laughs> i know and it's just like it's so poignant and I don't have Buffy's name on it. It's just a grave that says she saved the world a lot to remind me that that's my goal. Mm. Um, but it, yeah, it's hard to see like the the rest of this universe yeah. that um, that my my tattoo artist and I created together is mostly together. But then there are these bits that are missing. That's these important parts of the story. That haven't been fleshed out. Ooh. And that, I think that's a great metaphor. I think that's a great metaphor for what people are going through right now. Um, especially as we move into summer, right? Because mm -hmm. so, I was going to say so many of us, but then I was like, no, hold that thought, friend. Like all of us, Regardless of like age, race, or social class, we had ideas for what we were going to do for mm -hmm. this summer. Because we do, we tend to make a lot of plans and make a lot of stories based on seasons. And humanity's done this literally for as far back as we can go. Cave mm -hmm. paintings and everything. Um, and so we're all, we're losing parts of our story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, we're going to talk more about this on our next app mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about Westworld again. Oh, sure, sure. Yeah, the losing mm -hmm. of stories. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But not today. Not today, friends. Oh, uh, <laughs> we're going to save that gem to yeah. weave it into a, the next episode. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, I think it's interesting that you brought up the seasons because like, I, I had intended, like the reason I plotted it out the way I did was mm -hmm. so that my final session would be march 31st which would give me a solid month to heal mm. before it would be warm enough to expose my baby tattoo to the sun with some sunscreen <laughs> yeah and you know I had, I had this image of you know where baby tattoo and i were gonna go and what we were gonna do and what we we're gonna wear and not yeah. that i like obviously i can still do those things but they're different. Right. I was going to say, like, you know, in your backyard. Sure. Right. I mean, Baby Tattoo and I are not going to some sort of street festival. No. You love the street festivals. <laughs> my partner loves the street festivals, and I love oh, my partner. Sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And some, I, I love art fairs. Yes, That's that was what probably I what I was thinking. Mm -hmm. the art fairs. Yeah, I love an art fair. You mean art fair all day. Right. Seeing the crafts. Oh, God. I literally, literally, not until this moment, had considered how there weren't going to be art fairs. Oh, no. This is this episode. <laughs> oh, that was so painful. Yeah. Yeah. And there are, and there are hundreds of things like this for you, for right. me, for all of us that, that we're, we're losing both great and small. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And small things are big things. They are. You know, I I can't tell you how many times 
not just during this pandemic, but like any time that clients say things like, oh, but it's just this small thing. I shouldn't be upset about it. And I'm like, small things are big things. Yeah. That is what our life is made up of. It is made up of these tiny moments. Mm -hmm. And as we start to subtract out those tiny moments, we start losing these these big moments and these big chunks right. and these big feelings. Yeah. That actually makes me think of, and I, I would imagine for some of our, lis our listeners, this is going to feel pretty resonant right now, that um, it reminds me of clients who have lost a loved one because that loved one has died that they mm -hmm. talk about that often like, yeah, like you do, you think of them during like big days, like, um, like birthdays and mm -hmm. major holidays, but that the moments that like, sometimes like people don't think to reach out to the, sure. the bereaved, like just on a, on a Tuesday at nine. Right. Mm -hmm. But like, maybe they had like these like series of things that they would do with this person on a more daily basis, these small moments. Mm -hmm. And now those are gone too. Right. Yeah. Yeah, this is really hard. Yeah. Um, and, the, and the reason we keep talking about hard things is because we're going through hard things right now. Pretending that we're not is, is just a bunch of bullshit. That's toxic positivity, right? I, I, mean, I do love when you talk about toxic positivity. <laughs> it, is, it is one of my favorite of your personal soapboxes. <laughs> toxic positivity makes me so mad. <laughs> and I've experienced so much of it, especially in, in the yoga world. Yeah. This idea of like everything happens for a reason and like your karma. And like it's not that I like if if karma is a part of your philosophy great that's beautiful live your live your truth but don't tell me how to live my truth sure and and don't tell me what the rules of my life are mm -hmm. we're right back to the fucking panopticon we sure are and that whole conversation we had when i said that i wanted social control and we realized that was not in fact what <laughs> i wanted Oh, I really, I really loved that, exploring that together. <laughs> I was very confused at first. Um, I listened back to it and I was like, oh, you know, that was actually, that was a great back and forth when it was happening. I was like, oh God, what's happening? <laughs> um, but anyway, toxic positivity. Like if, if these messages help you make sense of what is happening, if they help you make meaning mazel i'm thrilled mm -hmm. for you right. if you wake up in the morning and telling yourself like um that that today is an opportunity then like great i'm i'm glad that resonates for you but telling someone else that today is an opportunity mm -hmm. that's hostile that is non-consensual mm. yeah to toxic positivity makes me very upset Be and it, it causes so much distress for people. If it didn't, like, fine, let's let's all just live our lives. But it causes mm. so much distress for people because folks are just trying to get through the day or the hour or the mm -hmm. minute. Mm -hmm. And to have – it's usually through social media these days. But, like, to have your social media assault you mm -hmm. with these messages when you're, like – 
I'm feeling pretty good. I got out of bed and brushed my hair. And then you get this message that's like, you should be finishing your novel because you have all this time. Right. Like, excuse you? Mm. Where's this time? Because emotionally, I feel a lot more tired. Right. It reminds me of, um, I've been doing, this will surprise you, not at all, that I've been, I periodically use social media to do like some social research. So, um, right. On my off hours, I'm like, how can I, how can I engage in some, uh, like anecdotal social, social research here? And so one of the mm-hmm. things I got into last year and I have like low key continued is to look at people who are, um, like uh, at the forefront of like personal development conferences Oh, so like yeah. Tony Robbins is the most famous and arguably most problematic exa- problematic example. Um, Rachel Hollis of the Hollis Company and is, is another one who's like gained ground because she's, you know, hashtag feminism. And um, I have a lot of mixed feelings about personal development uh, conferences. They very much kind of take ideas that you and I have talked about, namely uh, lots of the tenets of Viktor Frankl of Man's Search mm-hmm. for Meaning. Mm-hmm. And really try to like build off this idea that like you can create your life and you can create your reality. And it, it feels almost like Viktor Frankl plus the Westworld construct on steroids. Mm. Um, because it's like choosing joy is one that, for example, Rachel Hollis uses a lot. And let me be clear, I'm not uh. I'm not hating on Rachel Hollis. If you love her, if she speaks to you again, I say mazel. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't. I don't know how I feel about Rachel Hollis. I know that she's a fascinating thing that I look at and think about online when I'm doing mm-hmm. my research on my off hours because mm-hmm. she does. She has this thing about like choosing joy. And on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, searching for what actually sparks joy for you in the moment. But one of the things that I is pretty apparent to me in the time that I've spent taking a look at this is that it's choosing joy in almost like exclusively Mm. Mm -hmm. and not a lot of space if at all is made often with these types of sort of like personal development like memes and conferences and social media engagements for sitting with all kinds of uncomfortable truths and uncomfortable realities and like giving space for heavier emotions like really making space for grief and grieving right because we cannot choose joy in the midst of grief. We can find moments yes. of joy. We can find levity mm-hmm. and, you know, that, and that stuff finds us too. But when you are, when you are literally at a funeral, right. It it's not as though you turn inside and go, okay, all my parts, all my internal family system. Yeah. Where's my joy at? Right. Okay, grief, go in the closet. I mean, honestly, what came up for me is I very much went to that, that Disney movie Inside Out and I imagined joy <laughs> just like weeping. I feel like that's what joy, that personified emotion would be doing. <laughs> if she were if she was like being the authentic self that she discovers at the end of that Pixar film, right? That mm-hmm. like she'd be she'd be grieving. She'd be like, you know, holding on to sadness with all of her might because that's 
that is what is honestly and authentically there. Right. Like, hey, I'm I'm Joy and I I have some stuff to offer here. Yeah. I have some stuff to offer. Look, those are pretty flowers. Mm -hmm. Look, there's someone you haven't seen in a long time. Right. Look what a nice card that person gave you. Like, here are these moments of joy. Mm -hmm. But to have joy in, and I mean, I guess we're talking about Inside Out, uh, which is actually a a decent look at internal family systems. It's not, you know, it's not spot Mm -hmm. on, but at least talks about different aspects of ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, It's very good for, like, emotional awareness. Yeah. Yeah, is what it, where it really shines. Mm-hmm. But the idea that, like, joy kind of can't exist in a vacuum. Like, we need mm-hmm. other feelings. Mm-hmm. If there is no sadness, how can there be joy? How can we know what joy feels like if we don't know what sadness feels like? Yeah, and that they, they really do, they inform one another. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're connected. Um, and it also, like, it makes me think about is something that I've also been reflecting on quite a bit because of the pandemic, which is this idea of like adaptability. Mm. And you and I have talked about this some too, that part of what is happening here in our country, in our world is that change is happening. Like how we go about our daily routines is changing. How we go about our daily lives is changing and Mm -hmm. change automatically brings with it loss, right? Like, endings beginnings they are the same and yes for those who know dark crystal hashtag great um Mm -hmm. for those of you who don't and if you want to watch like the saddest puppet movie ever (laughs) dark crystal you can really engage with your sad parts you and your parts will really be sad (laughs) world's saddest puppet movie yeah and you know the tv show still really sad And it's, so it makes sense. It's very appropriate that it has that phrase that endings, beginnings, all the same, which is this idea that this is, this is one of the great dualities in our world. They go together. Mm-hmm. And being with this change that some of us feel like we're choosing, some of us feel like is being forced upon us, some of us who feel like it's a hybrid, it is very much like the ending of old ways of doing and being. And it's a beginning of new ways of mm-hmm. doing and being. And and while I think, and this part is hard because like I, I don't I don't know if I go about my life choosing joy, but I certainly try to like find how to make space for that. And I, I think mm-hmm. one of the ways that I've been attempting to make space for that in the pandemic is thinking about how slowing down, which the pandemic has forced us to do individually mm-hmm. and as a society, is very healthy for our planet. Hmm. And I want to be be really clear that I am certainly not saying that this means that it is okay that people are out of jobs at an ever increasing rate, or that this means that like all the people that we have lost to the virus, that that somehow is okay. Neither of those things are okay. Mm -mm. In fact, I would say both those things are really, really awful. And they exist right alongside of the slowing down of everything, including air travel, being, being a positive mm-hmm. for the planet and for our air. Yeah, both things are true. Yeah. And, and I think the way that you're saying that is a way to think of it that is not 
toxic positivity, right? Because mm-hmm. there is a way to talk about it that would be like, yeah, sure, all these terrible things have been happening, but dolphins in the Venice Canal. Right, which, which wasn't real. <laughs> which wasn't real, sadly. No. But <laughs> no, and I think it's also like, well, I don't think I do toxic positivity. I know that something I do do is sometimes body slam people with reality. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Sometimes you do that. Yeah, and it's it's um it's not pleasant. I think for anyone because why would a body slam be be pleasant, right? But <laughs> but it's like it's very much like the extreme of this idea of choosing joy. It's this extreme of like well, like the only way to be with like the reality of how hard some of this is is just to like hit somebody with it or like just with a, like a, a chair made of joy yeah just like wwe <laughs> joy, joy chair slap smackdown yes. or like where i'm like let's be with the reality of how awful this is i'm like smacking you with a chair of awful hard truths <laughs> and i think very much what we're attempting to offer today is that you don't have to do either one of those things in fact part of being alive means sitting with all kinds of conflicting events and emotions. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the most authentic thing is the hardest thing, which is acknowledging that all of that's there. Yeah. And as painful as grief is, and it absolutely is, it does by sitting down and being with it, it too, like it invites us and it asks us to sit down and be with what is. And that feels so different because I, what I'm picturing in my mind, because I invoked this image somehow, even though I'm not a wrestling fan. Um, <laughs> I, Neither I'm, of us are. It's quite a, you know, you are wearing a muscle tee though today. Oh, do you think that's what it is? Maybe. I'm, I'm like embodying this. <laughs> I've got my soft butch look on and I'm just like, yep. You're really go. feeling stone cold Steve Austin. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, you know, Eleanor from The Good Place loved Stone Cold Steve Austin. Oh, so. she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm picturing, you know, they're, the it's the WWE, it's a SmackDown, we've got our chairs and everything. And then, like, somebody comes in and is like, hey, everyone, how do we feel about getting hit with chairs? And everybody's like, mm-hmm. I don't really like getting hit with chairs. Like, how about we sit on these chairs and talk about these feelings that we're having? <laughs> I imagine Stone Cold Steve Austin being like, I love getting it with chairs. It makes me feel alive. (laughs) No, you know who would come in? Dwayne The Rock Johnson. Oh, he would because he's learned a thing or two. Yeah, with high emotional intelligence. And he would be like, hey, everybody. I don't hit people with chairs anymore. I mean, I sometimes drive cars out of building windows. Um, Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> and cars into other cars it's a similar principle yeah but i can really sit down and talk to jason statham about my feelings sometimes mm. you know just as an aside apparently word on the gossip street is that the people who really need to sit down and talk are the entire cast of fast and the furious and vin diesel yeah they need some yeah. they need some family therapy Mm-hmm. Oh, and you know they call that that they call that cast a family. So, mm-hmm. uh, call us, right? We're whoever, ready. Whoever produces the Fast and the Furious, yeah. If you want to keep ready. doing films and have everybody be in like the same take of a scene, mm-hmm. and not use stand-ins, 
we're ready to do that work. Yeah. <laughs> and we can reference from all the movies, even Tokyo Drift. Well, you can, and I would be willing to do my homework so I can reference from all the movies, including <laughs> Tokyo Drift. <laughs> oh, uh, where were we? I, de- I took us on a journey you did. with Dwayne the Rock Johnson, which was cool. I would be happy to go on right. a Right. I imagine us in some muscle cars driving <laughs> side by side with, with Dwayne the Rock Johnson while he sings you know, excerpts from his character Maui from the film Moana. <laughs> um, but what we were actually talking about, we were talking about grief and we we're talking about how to like sit down with all the feelings mm-hmm. and acknowledge all of the feelings that are there. No wonder I wanted to get away from that. No wonder. (laughs) No wonder I wanted to drive away from that in a fast car. Uh Uh-huh. And that's very normal. And perhaps for some of you listeners, you also were like, thank God we got in that fast car. (laughs) Which reminds me of that Tracy Chapman song, which is Mm. also a sad song. Yeah, that's, that's that's not a happy song. No, but it is a song that drives home this point that you can't drive away from your feelings or the habits you learned from your family system of origin. Mm. I have to drive too far. I'm not going to sing. I can't sing. You're the singer. Um, but that's that's okay. <laughs> Tracy's here to sing for us. <laughs> but in fact, when we had initially conceptualized this episode, we it was all around the idea of the show Magicians, which I've loved for years at this point, and you are a new convert to, which is beautiful mm-hmm. and sparks endless real joy for me, even as I sit with the sadness of the loss of all the summer music festivals, amongst other things that I'm sad about. Um and we were thinking in particular about this line that Margot has from season one, where she says, magic comes from pain. Mm. Is that originally a Margot line? I know they they kind of take turns saying it, they, so I didn't know who. They do take turns saying it. I don't, it might be like Dean, everyone, Dean Fogg, everyone's favorite alcoholic mm. Dean. He might mm-hmm. be the first one who sort of alludes to it. But like my memory yeah. is that like Margot is one of the first who like says it really directly. And of course mm. she's being, she's doing like meta condescending that Margot does really well, which mm-hmm. is like, she's talking down to Q, but also part of her is saying something very real and attempting to connect to him. Mm-hmm. So she's like undercutting her condensation. Condescension. Condescension. There we go. Beautiful. <laughs> Unless she was like a cloud. Right. I was like, no, she would she didn't magic herself into a cloud there. Are you are you a terrarium? <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be like our fanfic season six was that Margo would be a terrarium. <laughs> But anyway, she 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 meta condescends to Q and says to him, and it's like, duh, magic comes from pain. And mm-hmm. delivers this in this very layered way of like both talking down to him, but also like really trying to connect. Because everyone, spoiler alert, and the magicians have had very painful life experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that there's real learning in that. Mm-hmm. Real power, real magic mm-hmm. from pain and and having experienced pain um but you're not gonna get to that you're not gonna get to that power if you're constantly driving away from it with Dwayne the Rock Johnson (laughs) 
he brings the pain. I don't know. I don't know. That feels like a WWE thing. I don't know. I'm so sorry to our <laughs> listeners who are big into wrestling. You're just cringing so hard right now, and I feel for you. But but also, you know, like we're we are trying to do the do the wrestling. <laughs> I can just imagine someone being like, Yeah, not very well though. It's just not, <laughs> Yeah, just... I wish I wish they'd stop though. <laughs> I I appreciate the effort, and I'd like them to stop. Both things are true. Oh, this is reminding me that when I was a young Spockling, there were these WrestleMania cloth dolls, um, and I was not allowed to have one because I was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Violence is for men. Oh, mm, some some Westworld constructs to to deconstruct. Mm-hmm. We can circle yeah. back to those next episode. Uh, while we're on fun facts. I was not allowed to have Barbie dolls or I was my my family would not purchase me Barbie dolls mm. and um, because my mom found them unfeminist. And I mean, she wasn't wrong, but also no. I was a child and that. And also that- <laughs> of all the things to take a stance on as being inappropriate for her young, young human Kirkling. <laughs> that was the thing. But wait, it gets better. Oh, boy. I, I can only just I just got to hold on. I'm buckled. Yeah. In. So so, you know, Nadine Kaufman can only make rules in her home. She couldn't tell other people what to do. Mm. Um, much to her chagrin through the entirety of her life. But, she, you know, people would purchase me Barbie dolls like for sure. gifts mm-hmm. because like Duh. it was the 80s and I was a girl. Like, yeah. What? <laughs> um, so. Then Nadine was like, well, there will be no men. You will get no Kens. (laughs) And so all my Barbies were lesbian. (laughs) And Barbie and um, Jem from Jem and the Holograms were in a long-term on-again, off-again, complicated relationship. Because, you know, Jem has, mm-hmm. she's got two identities, she's got a job. Like, right. No, Jem has a lot not to so hold. Much. Right. No, right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we think this influenced my later sexuality? Hard to know. I mean, hard to know. I guess I would offer that it seems like in a, in a you know, in a move that can only be ascribed to the shifting fates of the universe, um, that this was just a very... This opened up the door for you to explore some things in a very playful, whimsical manner. I like I like that lens. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe I discovered something earlier than I might have otherwise. Right. This if- is a great example of a shittily wrapped gift. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'm glad I never had any Kens. Fuck that guy. <laughs> <laughs> and Jem was the best. I believe you. I was Jem was Jem was very much before my time. She's truly outrageous. This is my understanding. <laughs> Anywho. <laughs> um, for folks who are like, what's a shittily wrapped gift? Welcome. Um, that, is, that is a turn of phrase that we like to use to basically say the same thing that Margot and Dean Fogg and really every single member of the Magician's Court cast says when they're talking about magic coming from pain. So it's this idea that Really awful experiences are really, in this example, awful wrapping paper. So, you mm-hmm. know, think of a present you want covered in filth. <laughs> 
And that by like on if you like if you be with it and you unwrap it inside can be this really wonderful experience like you and your your lesbian Barbie dolls was a really wonderful experience. But the packaging Mm -hmm. around it was all of this problematic stuff from your mom. Mm hmm. Right. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting to think about it this way now as Mm -hmm. both an adult and a marriage and family therapist, because I mean, I I cannot tell you how many times I've told that Barbie story, <clears throat> um, because it's hilarious. Um, it is, but it may be the first time that someone legit said back to me, like, "Hey, but you got to use play to explore your identity." Yeah, I. Pfft. Yeah, yeah, you did. I don't. Yeah, I don't know if I would have had the space if I had a bunch of Kens. Because I would have been so under the thumb of the Westworld construct. Yes. Without those Kens, my imagination was allowed to roam and I was really allowed to play. You're getting moosey. I am getting moosey. That's really beautiful. (laughs) For those of you who are also still new here, getting (laughs) moosey refers to those times when I start to get tearful. (laughs) Which... You know, like on average, I think during the pandemic here, it's at least like two to three times an episode, really. <laughs> yeah, it's mm-hmm. a, it's a moose heavy time. God, it really is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So mm. uh, let let's talk about the magicians. Let's talk about them, friend. Uh, I. I'm not entirely sure what my hesitation was. Um, If you're a longtime listener, you probably know this about me, that I'm very slow to warm to new fandoms. Mm -hmm. And that's because to me, I am entering a new world and making new friends. And I'm not always feeling ready to do that. Yes. Um, I once had a friend who is not immersed in fandom the way that I am just say to me, like, can't you just watch something? And like, I literally can't. I literally can't just watch something. No, <laughs> no, because you you are very very good at forming fandom attachments, also known as parasocial mm-hmm. relationships. So the relationships that we have and we create with um, all kinds of narrative characters, mm-hmm. right? So I I can't just like sit down and turn something on and expect that like eh, this will this will just like breeze in and out of my awareness without making any impact on my emotional life no and it's interesting now because i remember and these i think like we talk about this in the earlier apps of of this show in fact where i was Mm -hmm. like really really trying to get you to watch the magicians because i believed that you would enjoy it and indeed you have Mm -hmm. but i'm also recalling and i admittedly i think i did this on purpose like i left out how many characters die Mm -hmm. (laughs) mm-hmm <laughs> and like I'm not, we're not talking like games of thrones level death for those of you who aren't familiar with the magicians but like there are core characters who either like change beyond recognition mm-hmm. and so the character you once knew literally does die mm-hmm. um and for some characters like they just never they never make it back like penny one and penny two penny one never mm-hmm. comes back yeah, and re- his arc never really closes. No, you're just left mm-hmm. with this this ending, and and he has this like he, like obviously the rest of them. Well, they're they're sort of friends, but, th- but they do a good job of showing how like 
original Penny, Penny one is a, doesn't really know how to be friends with people. Mm-hmm. And he's pretty combative. Um, I suppose the technical therapy term would be, uh, what was it? Would be anxious avoidant mm-hmm. in terms of attachment. Um, Which makes sense based on his family history, if you've watched all the way to the end. It very much does. Um, and he has this, like, his, he has a fabulous relationship with Katie. Not without its problems, mm-hmm. but, like, they definitely, there's true attachment and love and care and affection and then Penny just like he astro projects one day and he gets stuck and he loses his body, his body dies, but his spirit's still alive. And there's this whole contract thing with the library. But like the short of the long of it is that his story abruptly ends in the way that like when somebody just suddenly dies out of nowhere, their story just ends mm-hmm. and there's no resolution. It's just the mess that's left. Mm hmm. Yeah, and I'm glad you didn't tell me those things before I watched it. Because you would not have. <laughs> and truly, the, I, so if folks are like, well, how did how did this come to be? How did you wind up watching it? Truly, we were we were in the midst of writing the book. There was a portion that was about the magicians. Mm-hmm. And Larissa was like, you cannot help me write this section if you have not seen one episode of the magicians. You need to sit down and watch episode one of the magicians. And I was like, okay, I can commit to that. <laughs> and so I sat down and watched F1 and I was like, oh, this is good. And then I just watched the whole way through. <laughs> you did. And I mean, I haven't even watched the final, like the final arc of uh, season five, but you just, mm-hmm. you took it and ran with your new magician friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, it, it, the show is very dark if, yes. if you haven't watched it. Um, there is absolutely levity and whimsy to it, which mm-hmm. is what I need in a show that's dark. I can't yes. have only darkness. Um, and so that's I, why I love Mr. That. Robot would never work for you. Jesus, I tried. I remember. I, tried. I remember. I was surprised you did that. Yeah, Eli was into Mr. Robot, and I tried, and I was like, Rami Malik, you need a better therapist and some medications, and like. I I need to walk away. <laughs> yeah, and it doesn't maybe it, not actual Rami Malek. I know nothing about him. No, I don't know anything about him except that he worked with Brian Singer, like many people did, and that's a complicated choice. <laughs> yeah, so I you know I get my whimsy with with the darkness. Mm-hmm. I get I get my light and shadow, the polarization, you know, mm-hmm. um, which I appreciated, and I. The characters are great. Um, And there's so much of this idea of we are complex beings. Yes. Which I appreciate. Mm -hmm. And a lot of like talk and concern about like meaning making, like what is my Mm -hmm. identity? What is my purpose? Like what like magic is this amazing thing, but what does it mean? Like it, it does such a great job of saying like magic in and of itself. It's it it doesn't have meaning. It's you bring meaning to it. You can tell a story with it. You can hurt or heal with it. Mm-hmm. And it's not it's not a fix. It's not you can't like you can't use it just to like make everything all better or make anything perfect. That's not how anything in the world works. Mm-hmm. Right. We're, I mean, they make some huge mistakes. Yes. All of our heroes make huge mistakes. Do. 
Um, and they're all invited to sit with those mistakes. Like, I can't think of a one mm-hmm. where, like, they get saved from, like, the emotional fallout of that mistake. In the way, like, for example, regardless of how anybody feels about, like, the final season of Game of Thrones, I hope that many of us could agree. I was going to say all of us have done it. I was like, you can't say that, Larissa. You don't know that. Um, but, like, Jon Snow's ending... Mm-hmm. After he spoilers here, friends kills Daenerys. It kind of. I like how you did a spoiler alert for Game of Thrones. I know, but not which ended last year, but not major character death for the magicians that ended like a month ago. That's true. I guess I didn't for the Penny one because that happened like years ago at this Mm -hmm. point. Sure, and I haven't. Then yeah, well, we'll see what I do with the next one. But that's a. Duly noted fair point. And <laughs> after Jon Snow kills Daenerys, and I'm not going to get into, like, why they don't have him sit with the emotional fallout, but he doesn't do a lot of sitting with the emotional fallout. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, he, he gets to he gets to go into the woods with his BFF Tormund. Mm-hmm. You know, Tormund is great. I have no, 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 no hate there. I think it's great that they're friends. <laughs> um, but it's more that it it feels more like toxic positivity a little bit. It feels more like Jon Snow will choose the joy. He will choose sure. it. And it's like, well, sure, your friendship with Tormund and being with his, his your chosen people that would be joyful for you. And you murdered someone. Mm-hmm. And took away a dragon's remaining family member. Mm. Truly the worst. Truly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I another thing that I appreciated about the magicians is there there is a lot of realness in the magicness. Mm-hmm. I mean, somebody dies, they're sad. Yeah. There is sadness. Pretty much one of them season five, it sounds like, is at least for the first third, just sad. Yeah, there's a lot there's a lot of sadness in season five. Um this, just go I'm just gonna go ahead and say major spoilers here. If you haven't finished the magicians <laughs> and you don't want to be spoilered, you might want to get out now for a while. <laughs> um because I actually I got spoilered on what was going to happen at the end of season four because Larissa and I were writing a book. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I knew what was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and I kept I didn't know when it was going to happen though, so I kept waiting for it to happen. And what happened is that is that the character Quentin, who begins as sort of our protagonist, yeah, dies. And it's actually it's a beautiful arc for him. It's a beautiful character arc. <laughs> It is. I like. I do agree. And also, I I think I think maybe part of like the pandemic's impact on me is that mm-hmm. I'm at a place right now with characters where I'm like, if you don't have to kill this character, don't. Right. Right. I and and I feel that. And we've had this conversation about like, y- yes, he's a cisgender white male, but he's also a queer character. Mm-hmm. And like, and he and Elliot have, have that beautiful, uh, like. I don't remember what that episode is. It, I think it is actually called Peaches and Plums, that episode where, like, they live that whole life together. Oh, I'm getting Lucy again. 
second time. <laughs> and it's they like they live this whole life and they're like they're mm-hmm. life partners and they like raise their son and they mm-hmm. and, and it's all because they have to like solve a puzzle and it's part of a spell, which is another great way to like explore what magic really is. And in this case, magic is like building mm-hmm. a life together. Well, because the purpose of that spell, if you remember, is creating a, a vision of perfection or something yeah. like that is that is what they're supposed to be creating in this mosaic. And he gets the piece that is the piece of perfection when he's burying Elliot. Yeah. Like, come on. Mm-hmm. Magic comes from pain. There you go. Right. And and a meaning comes from pain. Meaning comes from life. Meaning comes from experience. And experiences end. Yeah, they do. Mm-hmm. They do end. And I don't necessarily ascribe to the philosophy that's, I think, really well. They do a good job of, like, putting it forth in the final season of the good place this idea that like in order for a thing to have meaning it has to end i actually don't Mm -hmm. believe that um i think that something can have meaning i think something can be important whether or not it ends um and i think that ending opens up opportunity to do all kinds of things Mm -hmm. um including reflect I'm going to challenge that just a little bit. Sure. Because I I agree that a thing doesn't need to end to be meaningful. But I, I do think that we need to have a concept of finality for things to be meaningful. Be- and I, that's what I really appreciated about The Good Place was, it was like, if we know that all there ever is for the rest of time is milkshakes like it's we don't want milkshakes anymore but if we know that there is a possibility that there could be an end of milkshakes man this might be the best milkshake ever and i think that's a facet of why we Mm -hmm. might enjoy a milkshake but i think there's all kinds of reasons we enjoy it right we enjoy it because it it tastes great we enjoy it because for some of us whipped cream feels real fun it's like is it a cloud is it milk (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Who knows? Is it frosting? Not quite. Which, which is good, because frosting, not great. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I think, you know, they have to really work hard to make frosting good, for, in mm-hmm. our opinion. Um, if you're a frosting lover, again, mazel, beautiful. But like, yeah, <laughs> like, I think, I think having, having a sense of finiteness, I think it's a part of the meaning. I don't think it's all mm-hmm. the meaning. Yeah, that's okay. Fair. Half happy. <laughs> that's... <laughs> That's what I call a compromise in my work. Aw, the two H's. And I took, I took that from Stranger Things Season 2. Why can't I think of what Stranger Things Yes, I can. There we go. I got it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Clearly, it's been a long day for this moose brain. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Where do we want to go now? Hmm. I don't know why, but that made me go back to that episode with Elliot and Quentin. Mm. I loved their love in that episode. Me too. Because they, they were, you know, they were just living. Mm-hmm. They were being present. Yeah. Their, their goal was to to solve the riddle. 
And in the midst of solving the riddle, they had a whole life. They did. And they kind of like gave up on what they thought they wanted, which was solving the riddle. And they lived their life. And that mm-hmm. is something I would say that I'm, I'm hearing some from folks um, mm-hmm. that, I'm, that I'm working with clinically, um, especially folks who tend to be very kind of like onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto the next thing, onto mm-hmm. the next thing. That it just becomes about the race. They're driving their fast car. <laughs> with or without Vin Diesel or The Rock. Certainly not with mm-hmm. them together because they don't get along to be in the same car. Um, <laughs> but for some of those folks right now, because things must move slower, this has opened up for them this experience. They're getting kind of a peaches and plums experience, or at least they're starting to get moments of that where they're like, oh my God, here I am in my house mm-hmm. with the people that I really care about. Maybe yeah. this is maybe there's something here that all my fast carring has I've missed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that a lot because what you're talking about is moving from the mosaic being primary to the mosaic being secondary. Mm-hmm. And and wouldn't that be beautiful if we could do that in our day to day lives? If yeah. if the work that we do is secondary to the life that we live. Ooh, that is that is some beautiful stuff right there. You are speaking to my socialist heart and mind. <laughs> right, even when our work is really important. Mm-hmm. Like I consider the work that you and I do to be very important. Yeah. And I find it very meaningful. And it like we also have lives. We do. And I, I do think that I've learned much better how to strike that balance because of you. Oh, say more. Well, I have to make sure I don't start weeping. <laughs> I think that would make four ticks mm-hmm. on the moose cry board. Four ticks on the moose cry board. It's, it's amazing. Maybe we'll get five. <laughs> we can always hope. Um, well, because I think something that you're, I think you're really good at, um, like seeing where kind of some of your like energetic limits are mm-hmm. and honoring them and i think you modeled that really well when you and i were going through supervision together i mean you also with our supervisor had to do an intervention for me because i was just like so far past my limits it wasn't even funny so obviously that helped too um mm-hmm. but i think i think also like even early on like before you and i were that close like you were always very good at like being playful and that was mm-hmm. something that very much a part of me wanted desperately to give myself permission to do but I was at a point in my life where I had just not learned how to do that. Mm-hmm. It was like peak Spock. And so like to have you kind of around sort of like moving in and out of my frame of reference as this person who knew how to be playful, I, it, it like very much over time and it was a slow process. I th- it like helped me like learn how to give myself permission to that, to do that and mm-hmm. to access that. Thank you. Mm. Number five, it happened. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I don't know what you call that when you're making all those little check marks and then you cross the fifth one over and then it becomes like a a little block. (laughs) But now we have a moose block. Oh, it's part of our mosaic for today's episode. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) you know, there has been a part of me I had, um, I had in internal family systems intensive weekend 
this past weekend. Um, and so the, the parts have all been very active. And I have this part <laughs> that has just desperately been wanting to do collages. Oh, that is really lovely. And I haven't sat down yet to do it, but I keep telling that part like we're going to. Mm. We got a lot of magazines that we can cut up. Right. Collages. Well, because then it's like all the parts working in unison. It's that combination of being individually recognized, but then all working together mm-hmm. as a community. Common goal, making our own mosaic. Mm-hmm. Yes. Which also reminds me of, because I just read through chapter 11, you know, and it brought up some hard and also positive things. But there's in something our book. in our book. Yes. So mm-hmm. at the end of it, we, we talk a little bit about, we reference this video game, Outer Wilds, that we've talked about before. And we're talking about again, friends. Um, mm-hmm. And part of the game Outer Wilds is that you, like at the very, very end, you find all your friends. Oh. <laughs> and each of your alien friends plays a different alien instrument. And then the end is you all play together in an orchestra. Oh, that is, that's just like, that's just like parts. It's totally like parts. So is then the player the self? Like is the player the conductor, is the the game player are they the conductor or is everybody just playing they're everybody's just playing and then mm. the old universe dies and the new one gets born oh i know right oh. which is kind of what happens at the end of magicians mm. that feels i don't know that, how much that feels pretty yeah. perfect I, I wasn't a huge fan of season five because it it did feel like we were missing this important piece and we were we were trying to tell the same story but a difference to anyway yeah I'm not even I'm not gonna get into the analysis <laughs> but, but what I will say is there there were a few themes that I loved in season five and one of the themes that I loved was whose story is this mm. And they they start doing that at the end of season four. Yes. You know, when it, like each character kind of got their own special ep that was just for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and there was some conversation around like to, to pull something out of Hamilton, like who lives, who dies, who tells your story. Mm-hmm. Um, and... You know, the idea that Quentin was the main character and everybody else was side characters, that yeah. that notion just keeps getting punched in the face. Like, no, Quentin is an important character, mm-hmm. but he's not the main character. Each and every one of you is the main character in your own hero's journey. Which is a rousing critique of the book upon which the show is based, because the book in the book, Quentin is very much the hero. Mm <clears throat> yeah i just i i love the idea that we are all heroes because we are all heroes mm-hmm. it's true um and in the in the end of season five uh basically fillery's all fucked up <laughs> and it and it's gotta go that's yeah <laughs> it's gotta go that's the long and the short of it <clears throat> but our friends come together and make the perfect mosaic. They create their own new world mm. with all of the things that they love. Yeah. Like a, a field full of bacon for Alice and a forest full of homemade pizzas 
for uh, our Jewish friend, Alex. Josh. What was his name? Josh. <laughs> Josh, Josh Hoberman. <laughs> Josh Hoberman. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's kind of a super Jew on that sh- on that show. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, and one of your favorite things, which is a mother archetype. Mm. Um, Fen finally gets to give birth because she she Aww. carries the world seed the the way that we create the world she she carries that until they're able to do the do the magic oh that's beautiful that is so perfectly joseph campbell myth i love it Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah and then she gets to be the one to bring all the all of her felorians to their new world Mm. so she finally gets to achieve motherhood yeah which was really Mm -hmm. important to her Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then there's a bunch of side shit we don't need to talk about. Right. No, I and I appreciate and honestly sometimes like one of the things I really love is is like when you write your own version. <laughs> and maybe I'll watch season five and maybe I won't. I feel pretty ambivalent about it, in part because mm-hmm. like I just love your version. <laughs> And I, I think if I could just like continue to like headcanon that, fanfic that, mm-hmm. and then that's that's the season five. Yeah. Um, the one little side quest I will mention, because I think it'll spark joy for you, is that Elliot does uh, find someone who loves him. Mm-hmm. That is nice. And and this and I'm and I'm not gonna spoiler that because it's really cute. And if you do decide to watch it, I think you deserve to Okay. To get that surprise, um, I appreciate that. But the this this character is like, do you think you could love someone like me? And and uh, Elliot describes the character, and the character says, "No, someone who's committed to you and not going anywhere." Mm. And it's just lovely. That does sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, it is very much counter to what what my first fan fiction vision was for the magicians where they would all just become a polyamorous commune. <laughs> I mean, maybe that's what they decide to do on their new planet. Maybe. And like, yeah, yeah. And like bring back Q somehow. Yes, that would be that. I would write that into season six. I, I would, I have a $20 bill right here. I would throw that down that we could find that fanfic already written. Oh, no, I'm that we could just read right now. I feel like that is so true. <laughs> Profoundly true. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, yes. I guess the the bringing it all back around. Um there was a lot of pain in having to give up Fillory. Yes. I would imagine so. You know. And there Going back to season four, there was a lot of pain for Quentin, even remembering why he loved Fillory in the first place. Things change mm. as we change. Yeah. And and things that maybe you used to love or that used to resonate for you don't as much anymore. Mm-hmm. Like capitalism. <laughs> yeah. Uh I mean, this. we've talked about this a bit before, this opportunity, this gift that we've been given, mm-hmm. this gift of time. Yeah. And getting to decide 
in the ways that we can, what we keep and what we hand back. Mm -hmm. Because we may feel very differently about the job where we worked. Yeah. You know, it might not be the fillery we first read about anymore. Yeah. You know, we met the author. <laughs> he was a dick. <laughs> yeah. Some, sometimes, going back to an old story, mm -hmm. sometimes when we pull back the curtain and we see who's actually the yeah. wizard, we find out that they don't actually know any better than we do. Yeah. And maybe the world that we were living in that they created wasn't wasn't the world we needed. Mm. No. But I still wish I was getting my tattoo today. I do too. <laughs> and this would be, I mean, there I think are lots of jewels that you could take from this episode or lots of gems. Um, mm -hmm. This is maybe our closing gem that both can be true. Mm. That it is both true that we both really wish that you were getting your tattoo done today. Mm -hmm. And that we are trying to sit down and be with some of the new ways of being and seeing that the pandemic is opening up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because to pull from a film that I didn't think I was going to reference and that I wouldn't necessarily recommend to everyone, but that did have a really great line. We are all we've got. It's from the film Ad Astra. Um, and just to very briefly explain it, like Brad Pitt is an astronaut. His dad was an astronaut. There's all kinds of family stuff happening there. Dad went off and disappeared for like basically all of Brad Pitt's life to try and find the aliens because the aliens were going to mm -hmm. come and save us. Oh, from, okay. among other things, climate death. Oh. And it turns out that there are no aliens who are coming to save us. Hmm. And Brad Pitt's dad cannot accept that. And in an attempt to reach his father, who's just, like, miserable because his father thinks he failed, Brad Pitt is like, you didn't fail. Now we know. We know we're all we've got. Hmm. Which is really oh. useful information. Mm -hmm. Because if we're all we've got, if no one is coming to save us, if there is no other planet, and the whole like, you know, pod things that it seems like Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos are doing, those don't seem to have a lot of legs there, friends. So like this is this is it. We're what we've got. Mm -hmm. And we need to find a way to all come together. How are we going to create the planet we want to live on mm -hmm. in the ways that we can? Yeah. What are we going to let go of? Mm -hmm. And what are we going to open up to? I would let go of bacon fields, but hold on to pizza forest. I would let go of, let go of fast fashion. I know you would. <laughs> okay, so uh, what's what's some of the stuff that we talked about today? If folks want to go do some of their own research, I mean, really, today I'm like, what didn't we talk about? Honestly, <laughs> we talked about so many things. We talked about um, systemic family therapy, referenced some narrative therapy. We did some five stages of grief model, though we didn't spend a ton of time there. 
Um, mm-hmm. But that was there. Bereavement, internal family systems, <clears throat> all kinds of family of origin pieces, mm-hmm. the panopticon, social constructionism. <laughs> Toxic positivity. Toxic positivity. The Westworld construct. We hit all the big ones. Phantom attachments. Wow. Yeah. Damn. This was this was a heck of an app. Um, and we talked about the magicians, mm-hmm. which was the plan. Yes. But then unplanned, we talked about Inside Out. Mm-hmm. Ad Astra for some reason. I mean, <laughs> it really it worked. I just I did not. I did not see that coming. That's fair. Uh, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> so it was just out of left field. Uh, the Good Place. Oh, The Wizard of Oz. The, uh, yeah, The Wizard of Oz. We're all over town. Mm-hmm. And I f- and there were probably a couple of other ones, but you know what? That's Outer Wilds. That's all I've got. Was our video mm-hmm. game. Ooh, and as an aside, folks, if you're looking to play a video game that will make you cry, <laughs> but will help you like open up to all kinds of things that we talked about in this episode including grief journey if you have playstation 4 is apparently just like for free right now hmm. and it's a weep fest you buckle up friends okay and okay. by buckle up i mean have your kleenex next to you and don't get in your car and drive away sit at home on your sofa and mm. play journey and you make sure a friend is either nearby or a phone call away for when you're when you're done mm-hmm all right. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duffy, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You're magic, 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 magic. Join us for our next app on The Westworld We Ducks. And be sure. Spock didn't want me to do that, but you know what I did? That. (laughs) Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the very best way that you can support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to tell your friends. And as always, friends, live live long long and and prosper. prosper.